Hello, universe. I'm going to do this one a little differently and give my recently passed best friend the spotlight. Baby, you remind me. You remind me of a good old song. And honey, you remind me. You remind me of some great swing dances. And baby, you look like, you look like a beautiful person to me. Bring me back to the times of all our dates. And it feels so great having to share something so special as love. And baby, you remind me of them good old days. And baby, you are so, 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 so sort of old-fashioned to me. And someday, honey, maybe we'll find ourselves some brand new fashions and perhaps we'll go out on a great new dance. But tell them I'll keep them times to share together. Memories, memories, memories for, for forever. Cause when it's come to time, time to get together. I like to sing you a song and I like to read you a poem while we can all get together and share some love. We can all get together and reject the hate. Cause baby you remind me of a bright damn star and honey you remind me of an electricity wave. Some days I can't find you. But I said, that's okay, we'll meet up before the grave. And baby, you can have me. You can have me for practically free. While all I need you, all I'll ever need you for. It's a great good time. Rest in peace, Lily Mae Eaton. You will be missed. Good morning, universe. It is uh, 10-19 here on the 17th of January, which means I only have eight days to figure out what the fuck to do for my dad for his birthday. He turns 84. And 84, I can't, I can't think of a way to playfully do anything with seven dozen. Seven dozen what? Like, Easter peeps. I don't know. 84. 84. I gotta go look up shit that happened in 1984 and see if I can find something relevant as a gag gift for him. Alright. Thanks for solving that for me. Um, man, I... <sighs> Lily. Goddamn Lily. I just... It's not like I even can be surprised. That's the truth. And while I'm riddled with guilt about her energetic uh, presence last summer, and I felt it, I, I'm 95% convinced she was in the area, like just not willing to knock on my door, hoping that I would see her. I even might have seen her on Colfax once. I really thought it was her, and I even yelled her name, and she didn't, rec she didn't give me any point of recognition. So if it was her, she didn't want to talk. But nothing kills me more. <laughs> That's a oh jeez. I uh I I need to think before I speak at this point. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but um, if Lily was skulking and trying to be noticed from the back of the classroom with her hand not up and I missed her well that's the guilt I'm living with because I'm pretty sure on our final day of interaction that it would have been justified for her to believe I never wanted to see her again but we'd had one or two of those kinds of blow-ups before and I saw her again but not this time. And 
I hope wherever she is now, she's she's not her own worst enemy. I hope she's at peace. But whoever you are out there, and I'm I've never spoken about this ever publicly. But I went so far as to write suicide notes and deliver them to my four core family members. And then I couldn't go through with it. And it was the lowest point of my low points in life. And so I certainly understand the impulse to believe the best and only real option is to hit the power button. But it is, number one, going to put you right back in the same situation to learn the same lesson that you failed to learn this time going around. That is how it works. Suicide is a reset button. So know that. And know that that is the deal. There will be no option. You will come back and do it again. So... If that's the choice you make, even if you don't admit it to yourself and try to fake a drug overdose, you'll still come back because the universe knows your intention, even if you don't want other people to know it. So that's the only real reason you need to know you shouldn't do it. But the reason not to do it more is everybody else has to deal with the doubt that maybe there was something they could have done to help you not do this. Because that's the greatest hole you can leave behind. Is the wonder of, is it something I didn't get done that could have stopped this? You start doing a review of every interaction you had with this person for the last five years. And they all come up empty. And they all are devastating. There is no problem so big that solution suicide is even on the list. The problems that you're suffering are self-induced. They can be fixed. And your effort can be 95% of it. And the 5% of help you need from the people around you, it'll be there. That's just how the world works. And having gotten to this point and gotten lucky enough not to succeed, well, I can speak with a little bit of knowledge about how low this goes. And having now received my one and only friend leaving me with this doubt, well, I'm convinced now more than ever that this is never a solution. And if fentanyl is taking over your life or anything else has you thinking I'm just going to ride this out until my arm dries up and I fall asleep forever, you'll be right back here again. You're in a hard spot, I admit. You're a prescription drug addict who shouldn't have this problem. It's not your fault. And yet there is no out other than letting it all finish. That train of logic is wrong. There is help. But you have to look inside and stop thinking the fix is something that's happening out around you. You're here for a purpose, even if you can't see it now. It's, it exists, and you can find it inside yourself. And only you can do it. And I think you even know this. Pause. Unpause. And obviously, when you throw in Lily's schizophrenia, it's a, it's a whole <laughs> buffet of could I have done something differently? Could I have been this way more helpful? Could I have been this way more uh, stubborn? Could I have been this way less accommodating could I have 
treated her a different way to give her a chance to find herself. The thing with her is it always, it always seemed like she was only maybe three steps away from getting her fucking life organized and on track. It wasn't one step. It wasn't even two. But it felt like it could be three. If she could just find some confidence and stability in herself. She might be just around the corner from having a life she could cultivate. So, it was always something that you could hope for, you could hope for, you could hope for. And then at some point, you could see that she was self-sabotaging any effort that might get her there. And it would just tear your heart apart. Whether it was drugs or the law or whatever. And my biggest variable here was her. I know she smoked meth. And I didn't tolerate it in the house, in on the property. But I know she was, I mean, I fucking saw her paraphernalia in the bathroom more than once. And broke it and brought it to her. But, you know, it's like, fuck, I don't know what, I don't know, you know, should I have just had a zero tolerance policy there? Maybe. And I, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to have a parent with a kid who's got a drug problem. Because you are not the solution. And you're probably part of the problem. <laughs> and all you want to do is help fix it. But every attempt you make backfires. That's a tough spot to be in. And I think, ultimately, you have to be at peace with the fact that broken people need to fix themselves. And it may be the drugs that have created enough separation of realities that you now think something needs to be corrected. But it's rarely going to be something you can fix. In some ways, you have to let this go and do what you can to find other support mechanisms. And even that may be too little, too late. Some people came here to experience breaking. At least, some people are here with a destiny that can't avoid it. But that doesn't mean you give up hope at all. That doesn't even mean that your instincts need to change that you need to rethink how you're doing it. You don't. You do what you think is right. But in some circumstances, and this may be what you're being tested on, you can't solve everything. In some places where that good intention is being forced, you're only going to make things worse. But I think we all kind of know that. However, I have newfound sympathy for any parent or close friend who's lost someone dealing with a drug addiction to suicide or overdose. And I unfortunately think we really underrepresent suicide in this country by not looking seriously at overdoses and treating them as suicides first and overdoses second. But that's just me. And I certainly don't think that the actuary is going to want to change their statistical model because then we'd have a suicide rate that would really fucking scare us. So, again, if you're listening to this and the S word is on your list of considerations, just go get your big black marker and cross it off. Figure something else out. Write to me if you have to. I will listen. Even if my mom is texting me too much, I will take the time to read your email first and write back. If you're seriously pondering this, it's not an option. And I'm pretty good at explaining why, even if I'm tearing up thinking about it.
I don't want to lose. Oh, pause. I'm pause. Uh-oh, I got something caught in my throat. Sorry, I've been eating Jelly Bellies. That's my go-to candy when I'm depressed. I'm not depressed. I mean, I am. This is weird. I've never actually lost a friend. I don't think. Yeah, I can't remember one. But, like I said, I've had the easiest life of anybody in the history of the universe. Dealing with my first real loss of friendship to tragedy is at 54 is a pretty soft ride. But it doesn't make it any less emotionally um, impactful that it took this long to finally enter my realm. Damn it, Lily. I always knew this was possible, but I always hoped it wouldn't happen. Um, so if you have to write me, then expect me to not tolerate the idea that you think you have this as your only option. You're going to have to look inside yourself and see what it is that has you most broken. Does no one listen to anything that you have to say? Do you not have the courage to stand up and be yourself? Is it just so much shit you've done wrong that if one thing gets found out by the police, you're going to be gone forever and everyone's going down with you? I mean, whatever has got you thinking that you have to vanish can be fixed. So heideggersgoldfish at gmail.com will always listen. But you already know everything that we're going to discover together. You can discover it without me. But if you need somebody to support you to get there, well, I 100% understand. And I never want to lose another person on this planet to suicide or drug overdose. It's the biggest waste of potential that this planet knows how to realize. And we're only going to win as a, spe as a species when this is no longer tolerable. This is not an acceptable amount of people are just here to kill themselves kind of place. We've just let it become that. And, like I said, we can change anything we fucking want. The reality that we live with is the one we accept and deserve. And our potential is unlimited. So what we've got is like bringing that fucking volcano to the goddamn college science fair where somebody else has an anti-gravity machine. Oh, you brought you built a volcano? Yeah, your table's right over there. The one outside. Go ahead, put it on that picnic bench. Pause. Now, if you brought a volcano to solve the riddle that is all the slag heaps from when they came and mined this planet for real and just left all that waste that now just spews out when it gets too chemically uh, combustible in its internals to maintain its integrity, like all slag heaps do. Look at Mount St. Helens as a fucking slag heap and then tell me you don't have a different vision of what's happened to this planet. Okay. <clears throat> Not to wander off into La La Land. Not that I ever saw that movie. Not that I even give a shit about what I'm talking about right now. I'm just trying to transition because it's an awkward time to have to think about shit because all I can think about is Lily killed herself. And that's another thing about what you leave behind. There's a wake of devastation that everyone else has to ride out if they can because the decision you made is one that everyone wishes you hadn't. So if you know you have to make this decision, then that's like saying, I know I have to let down everybody who even really ever thought they might care about me entirely. It's not just the people who love you. It's everyone who knew you. You'll have them all second-guessing if they could have done better with themselves so that you could have done better for yourself. 
you want to leave that kind of residue, maybe you'll have some idea why you get sent right back here to fix it. You don't deserve what you're going through, but you certainly don't deserve to throw out the rest of your negative karma onto the world as you go. And until you're ready to learn that lesson for real, you'll keep doing it over and over again. So if that's not enough incentive to stay away, then write me. All right. Well, we're 18, 18 into this thing, and Lily is still dead. The finality of it is something I've never experienced. I've had severed friendships that are still in severed status, but I certainly have never lost somebody for permanent. Even as unlikely a friendship as ours was, it mattered. Lily made me a better person. Lily arguably saved my fucking life. She certainly gave me purpose and destiny that I don't have without her. Her influence on my life will always be a point of reference of which I will draw inspiration. I will never think of her as anything other than the catalyst to me becoming the real me. And for that, well, let's just say I owe her one. Pause. And you know, I think this might be a good time to go back to that confirmation bias conversation and roast myself on the coals a bit. Because if ever I wanted to believe certain things and not believe other things, well, with the character I call my guardian angel, who this, you need to separate Lily, who's now dead, was my real guardian angel. She really was. That's 100% now. But she isn't, the character I call my guardian angel. That's actually somebody in my real life, incidentally. But because of everything that transpired between us, not Lily, my guardian angel character, who I don't name because that's a bridge too far, well, her influence in my life is personified through the expectations and characteristics that would manifest as your guardian angel. Now, ironically, it turns out that my real guardian angel was a delusional schizophrenic. My character comic book guardian angel is not. So, what I thought a guardian angel looked like turns out not to be what they look like. But, is that really even a surprise? Pause? Unpause. So, going through the comic book narrative, as it's a little lighter and less um, gritty, I don't know if it could even... Gritty might be the one antonym that is the greatest antonym, because it is not gritty. But it does have some um, self-revealing truth, that I think might be a good counterpoint to the actual self-revealing truth that I'm experiencing. But I'm going to have to get high as fuck for this, so I'm going to put you on pause for a bit. Mm. You know, I would say Dr. Pepper's probably like my, what, 27th favorite soda? No, nah, it's higher than that. Probably it's in the teens. But I love these Dr. Pepper jelly beans. Obviously, the or the butter popcorn one's the best. But Dr. Pepper is number two. Unpause, pause. Ah, man, I'm trying this new setup for the phone. I think the recording value is going to be better, but the pause button, uh, my mind up there, but a little this. Not going to let me talk. Unpause. All right, I'm one. No, I'm two dabs in. Ten to go. Pause. Pause. Unpause. So before we get to the guardian angel stuff, my actual guardian angel, and I guess this even proves it further, well, by taking the action she took, she completely solves my 
writer's block as to what catalyzing event could jumpstart the narrative of the Messiah. It's perfect. And it even gives a much better arc for her character. And she, and the whole ending is just crystallized now. The book is literally writing itself now that I've unblocked something I never would have come to on my own. I never would have thought of having her die. I would never have thought of that of any of the characters, at least not as the focal point to enter the narrative. But it works perfectly, unfortunately. But is that why you did it, Lily? Because you knew I was stuck? It seems like a pretty large response to a fairly small problem. And that's another thing I hated about being suicidal, is how pedantic and and tonally deaf all the messaging around me felt. I thought if I just maybe talked to the right person or saw the right piece of advice or heard the right quote, that I could fix my life. Instead of ever thinking that I could just inspire myself from within to embrace a better life and then go get it. I know it's tough to be the target of an entire machine built to get you to feel shitty about yourself. And to overcome that is A, totally not fair, and B, totally not something you should be dealing with. But C, something you're going to have to deal with, and you're strong enough or you wouldn't be here. So deal with it, you will. And if for some reason that's something you just believe is impossible, well then let's debate. Re-listen to this episode, get my email address, clearly lay out why you have no options so that I can tell you why you do. Pause. You know, here's another way that uh, Lily changed my life. If, uh, if Lily doesn't come into my life, none of this is happening. None of these recordings, nothing. Because I had envisioned, perhaps, doing some sort of daily journaling blog. But as I tried to execute any of that shit, I just, it never, it never works because I can go back and edit. The fact that I can't edit what I've said here matters because I just have to live with whatever comes out of my mouth. And if I accidentally go somewhere that's too far, I have to rein myself back in. I am committed to staying true to my word 100% of the time. And this makes me accountable. Everything I do here is off the cuff. I never have any destination in mind. And frankly, <coughs> sometimes I'll finish thoughts up and be like, damn, that worked well. <laughs> Pause. And it's so much more satisfying than writing where you have this train of thought that might go light speed and get you to a destination that you know is fucking phenomenal, but you can't type out the route that you got there fast enough. But I can speak fast enough to follow my thoughts one-to-one, so rarely are my thoughts jumping around so much that I fail to take advantage of the speed with which they come. Now, obviously, that distracts me all the fucking time, and that's the downside. I don't know that I could coherently put together a proof of concept in audio form. I would want to write something like that down so that it's coherent and uh, is... Uh, inclusive of all the variables that are in play. To think that I ever have that sort of tight composition in my conversation? (laughs) Well, you must have just hit play and probably don't want to hit play again. But hopefully I can entertain you till the end of this one. But my friend just killed herself, so I'm not in a very good mood. I'm just trying to not let it be 
as devastating today as it was yesterday. But devastating it will be. Because it's one act that will never, ever resolve itself in a sense that I did everything I could because I'll always wonder if I could have done one other thing that would have been better. Or 15 other things, or 30. But for now, we'll leave it at one. Uh, am I high enough? Wait, didn't I get on to do something specific? Did I already do it? Have I thanked the sweet watermelon soda of the Sandia Kroger Market? Probably not, but I've got two sitting unopened over there because I've been trying to drink water more, and I'm succeeding. Don't be surprised if you write me about this suicide that I tell you to drink more water. Pause. Ah, oh, I hate AI. It's making us dumber. It just changed Lily Mae Eaton to Lily Maid Eaton. Behind my back. If you're going to change words without telling me, at least highlight them so I can agree that you did a change that was sensible, you dumb fuck robot. Pause. Why did she have to do this? I know why. But I still... Uh, uh, well, if there's ever a time to hate the world, right? It's watching it be too much for somebody to endure. If that's not a world that's one to throw some shade on, I don't know what would be. And I often think of how great humanity is and misled it's become. We are not here to fulfill the wish of the corporation known as Apple, but line up and endure the worst of circumstances to become the largest sycophant in their posse of sycophants. We do. Uh, maybe we are just machines. Maybe all this is organic, simulated matter of consequence that in reality is nothing but a neural network of stupidity and bad intention. Well, if I thought that about humanity, I've given up, given up on myself, on Lily, on all of you and the world and everything else in it. That's just not what we are. We are very much the creature of creative and limitless potential to bring harmony and balance to the world and wherever we are influential at large. So whether that's just making it all work here and realizing the benefits of a society that is harmonized versus one that fractures itself by choice. Oh, Jesus. Pause. I'll tell you what, man, the scammers are getting clever. They call you with shit like, we're following up on process order number 77394412. It looks like on our end something went wrong and it didn't get delivered to you. Will you uh, please give us a call back with uh, your uh, telephone number and social security number so we can follow up on the shit? I mean, that's not exactly what they said next. But their ability to cloak themselves, yeah. You should be fucking scared of that. That we have created a society in which people have to take all of their clever, creative intuition and put it into deceiving others because there's no other crack on which to ascend into a position of self-fulfillment. We have limited our best to doing their worst. It's a dumb, dumb thing to have done because now we all suffer. But, Change it, we will, right? We're not going to live like this forever, are we? Well, I mean, you do you, but I got other plans. I'm I'm planning on fixing this shit. And if you don't want to help, I'll just kind of wonder why. And then move along, because I ain't got time for that. Unpause. Unless it turns out you're the comic book character whose arc is the role of the guardian angel. In that case, well, I'll... Probably um, inappropriately speak of you again and again, even though uh, our official separation of physical 
8675309 Earth Reality has been measured and accounted for and logged in my permanent record book. Well, yeah, otherwise we don't have a story. Pause. Not that my life is a story. Well, actually, yeah, my life is a story. So is yours, right? You're the main character, aren't you? Yeah? How's yours going? You writing it well? Got your main character in the best spots he's been in in a while? Yeah? Yeah? Good job. Pause. Unpause. And you know what's beautiful about the potential of the human spirit? Is everything that you think looks impossible, you've been convinced to think it is impossible. And you're wrong. But you don't have to somehow come through this with anything but a better impression of yourself because you have been hoodwinked. Your sense of self-doubt and the slotting and hierarchy of individual value that you have been trained to use as a default framework for assessing a human's experience. It's just a bad break. It's, it's a bad scoring system. And once you scrap it and come away from the messaging that tells you you're not worth it, and start envisioning all the ways that, fuck yeah, you're worth it. God damn it, it doesn't need to be this way. And here's how quick we can be to get it to a better place. Well, then you'll be an unstoppable force of podcast significance that's going to just go, oh, I'm going to solve the world right here. And then you won't get anywhere. But you'll keep trying. Because once your purpose and destiny is defined, well, all you can do is work toward it. Because, you know, eventually it works out, right? Pause. <laughs> I mean, whoo, talk about loving oneself, huh? I'm here to fix humanity. What are you doing here? Oh, you're here to be, uh, what, what is a, what is a big, well, you work at a Best Buy, you said? Best Buy. What do they sell? All right. I'm probably nine dabs in. Probably use three while we're doing this, so this is probably a good time to get back to the subject matter at hand. Actually, no, this is a good time to talk about drugs. Nine dabs is a fucking lot. To most people. To certain people, it's just getting ready to have a conversation. And while that's an inordinate amount of um, preparatory work to talk, um, I will give you that. That doesn't make me less enthusiastic about using it to get to this frame of mind, to have this conversation, because I know now I'm confident I will deliver the conversation as intended, not in the sort of too much nervous energy to address it correctly and emotionally balanced that I might be, had I less THC contribution. 54 years of deciding what looks like the right level of THC contribution at any given time has been very much a hit-and-miss, trial-and-error process, which fortunately, in today's marijuana environment, you don't have to go through. Because the people who know what they're talking about when it comes to the interactive properties that marijuana strains, from strain to strain, the variations offer, they can get you to this balanced tranquility state a lot easier than peppering around that universe and hoping you stumble into the right mix of seasons. That, while fun, and certainly gives you a view on marijuana that is expansive, um, it doesn't provide quite the same level of reward and uh, pinpointed impact that you can drive down with the weed variations as they sit today. So, I highly recommend that you not think of marijuana as a drug, but as a activity enhancement component that isn't necessary, but can be used in almost any circumstance where an activity is causing you to underperform. It's not a performance-enhancing drug, but your own sense of being your worst enemy in the moment I do believe marijuana has a calming effect 
on that tendency, which is, in my opinion, the one that holds you back the most. So, does it make you better at basketball? I don't know, because I suck at basketball. So nothing makes me better at basketball. But it makes me better at golf. I believe it makes me better at tennis. I certainly notice the anxiety that's more present at my tennis game when I go without it. I don't know that that isn't a trade-off that I'm a little bit quicker on the, on the draw and thus play a little faster tennis. I've never had that thought. But if you put me on a timed computer, would you see those results? I wouldn't argue with them if they're there. But what if you saw the other side? Then do I not get to smoke weed before a match because it's a performance-enhancing drug? Or is that really the state of mind that puts me in the best place to not be my own worst enemy on the court? These are questions I ask myself and for which I have no answer. Until yesterday, I would have put, why are all the 20-something and most of the 30-something men admitting to being three-thirty-fifths gay? That was not something that ever looked like it was emerging on my landscape of life in my similar period of time of frame. So, curious had I been about that until I realized the level of negotiation that the men who were thrust into porn in the prepubescent phase of their life and thus discovered women in the virtual world of what is Pornhub, all the negotiating of their sexual identity that they had to endure to figure out what they would do to just experience the affection of a woman who thought they were worth a shit, enough to maybe have sex with them. If that involved another dude... At some point, I bet you agree to yourself, okay, yeah, I could do that. Because you're now only 13, you've been looking at porn for six years, you're a very sophisticated sexual identity <laughs> in a fucking useless body of overdrive, hormonal imbalance that's only going to get worse. Yeah, let's try that experiment on the entire young populace of America and see how it works out. Again, I'm lucky I was born when I was. Because those of you who got thrown into all this technology, I feel for you. Unpause. And that's been bugging me for like nine months. And I had nothing on it. Nothing. Until I tumbled into that little theory of possibility yesterday. And I'm starting to say that is going to stick. I feel for y'all. Seriously. It's not fair. To just expect you to figure that shit out when you're saturated from the get-go with inappropriate material that's just going to mislead you and cause you all kinds of reflective discordance that you don't deserve. And I'm in no way the person to figure out how to help you through that. I have no experience with it. I look at it with sympathy and realize that you have a burden and a challenge and a hurdle you don't deserve, but you don't get to avoid. And there's no one that can tell you how to manage this because you'll be the first ones to negotiate it. And I just hope you figure it out. Pause. But whatever you do, suicide's off the list, right? If you have to write me, then that was what right meant. Otherwise, you've got common sense, figured it out, and that's what right meant. But right was correct either way. All right. <clears throat> Speaking of right, I am desperately low on anything but dinner food. Like, I don't have anything in there that looks appropriate for breakfast at all. Unless I want to have soup. Ugh, I got to go to the store. But I got to finish this thing about the guardian angel, my uh, character guardian angel. From now on, uh, I don't know, maybe I have to reinvent her character. No, nah, that's something to do in, like, graphic novel number four. she And she does evolve, so she doesn't lose her role as a guardian angel per se, but she can't stay trapped in the uh, environment in which she was unjustly and unawaredly um, left behind. So we're going to have to have her ascension as the main overall arc of the entire storyline. She is the Luke Skywalker here. Or am I? So she's no, I'm Darth Vader, for sure. But I'm a better Darth Vader. Because there are no Darth Vaders. 
But this story will be told from the point of view of Darth Vader. It just won't be the shitty version of it. It will be the... Um, it'll be more... It, it, it's, there's no grit like Lord of the Rings. It's more like uh, if you took uh, Adventures in Babysitting and mixed it with The Dark Crystal, but less puppetry. <clears throat> it's something like that. Pause. Unpause. And I'm not, I'm not owning that idea of Dark Crystal and... Adventures in Babysitting uh, cross-concept. If you want to take that one and run with it, well, then go for it. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not interested. I just don't have time for it. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, the uh, Frank Miller illustrated version of The Guardian Angel, in that storyline, well, it opens more like um, like uh, Betty and Veronica or some 1950s, like, cartoon comic book because you're working at the soda shop and you've been working there for uh, six months. No, nothing unusual about it. It's just a fucking job. Everybody on the, uh, on the line with you is just a coworker and you're fine there. It's comfortable. You're, you're, you do the job easily. It is, if anything, you're just underachieving and probably stuck, but it's comfortable and uh, therefore, um, okay for now. That's where the entire plot opens. And <clears throat> there's some backstory here. Your reason for being okay with just being comfortable is because everything agitates you or has proven in the past to be a potential adjutant that can send you over the edge. So you really do have to maintain a tranquil, centered balance of, um, of no uh, friction or you know friction can lead to you blowing off randomly and, and for no real good reason when you get right down to it. So that's why you're okay underachieving, because to you, tranquility, even if it's somewhat in a position that's stuck, is the number one characteristic you have to be concerned with. And your, uh, your position uh, is also free of any... Uh, at work romantic entanglement, something that you have proven you're not capable of. But choosing a venue where it's mostly uh, dudes and lesbians does help this, though consciously you must react and resist to these temptations because they are of little uh, value in the long run and have caused way more pain than is reasonable in the short run. So learning this lesson have you, this is another advantage to working here that keeps you tranquil. So when anybody comes in that is even remotely attractive, they immediately go into the coworker group without problem. And that has been true for the four years you've worked there every single day until August 11th of 2022. And even on that day, when you saw somebody for the first time and thought, that's the lady that I have in my dreams, not in a good dream either, but in a repetitive dream, and you're sure of it, well, now the place is not very tranquil. There is newfound discomfort at work because you're going through some cosmic fucking goddamn conundrum again and trying to talk yourself out of it, realizing that's not happening, and this person just turns out to be one of the true diamonds sitting there to be seen. So, you appreciating people who influence the world in tidal waves of positivity, even in every attempt you could have to maintain some level of distance, there's no way you can't go over and investigate. But only in this situation where you're being tested to prove that you understand how things have to go down for you to maintain equilibrium, this person's off limits. There's nothing here that can transpire. Friendship is as far as this can go. And that's understood until it's not. 
But the only reason it's not is because you start getting signals that this other person doesn't want it to. And you can't, at this point, avoid that signal. You're not strong enough. It's with that backstory in mind that you start doing stupid shit like going on Google.com and asking for Chinese astrological compatibility charts. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm a total woman. Always have been. But as my feminine side emerges and embraces its potential to balance my life even further, well, all you need here is it to say 10%. And you're good. But since this is a story about confirmation bias, well, what do you think happens? Pause. Okay, the compatibility rating for the overestimator and the guardian angel is 90%. Perfect match. You are an example of lovebirds. Your match will... You match each other perfectly, both in personality and abilities. The male rooster is sensible, clear-thinking, and good at analyzing problems. The open-minded, determined, and charming female dragon does well in exploring and using the male rooster's potentials. She never minds the male rooster's prate. Instead, she cares more about the male rooster's heartfelt respect for her. The male rooster feels very inspired and confident thanks to the dragon wife's enthusiasm and vigor. That's all you get from this website. But... You want to trip my confirmation bias triggers? You've tripped three of them right there. Because nothing do I think more than how much I would love to have somebody help me figure out how to turn myself into a more productive version of myself. But having helped myself learn those lessons alone obviously matters more. But that doesn't mean I don't have tons of room for refinement. <laughs> However, I don't need someone to fix me. And I used to. And so those triggers, while they exist, that's part of why I resist. And that's another thing that as I read these, I'm aware that I'm being pulled on a leash in directions that don't work out for me. And um, you will never, ever make a male feel bad about telling him that he's clear-thinking and good at analyzing problems. Because none of us are, but we all want to think we are. So I think given that, and the fact that someone's going to take my potential and mold it into something that turns us into a power couple, makes me want to just get my act into the chapel. So fortunately... They're going down a road that doesn't matter as much to me. But now I'm intrigued, so I would go to the next result, and that's the number one result on Google, by the way. And the next result takes me to, shit, the same thing. I might have closed the wrong page, so we'll just go, oh, no, I've got three of them open? What's going on here? Uh, that's weird. I did not save three different websites open. I saved one. Uh, okay, pause. I'm pa I'm pause. All right, down to... Result number two, um, this one is ChinaHighlights.com. The other one was uh, TravelChinaGuide.com. And of course, these are nothing but websites to sell you trips to China. But the information gets pretty repetitive right here. And you can go looking deeper, but you're just going to get the same fucking thing over and over again. And you're going to get nothing until you get into other types of uh, compatibility astrology that's different. So this is the set. So in searching number two, you get, due to your personalities and abilities, your match, you match each other perfectly. The male rooster is clear-minded and smart in analyzing problems. It's like somebody assigned a seventh grader to rewrite the other one. The female dragon is outgoing, generous, charming, and faithful. Oh, they threw faithful in. That's gratuitous of them, because that's not what men are looking for. Seriously. Just recognize the triggers that are there to be had and make sure you're not falling for them. She is good at finding and using the outstanding potential of the rooster. Same fucking shit. Just a seventh grader rewrote it. Therefore, the rooster can feel energetic and confident because of the enthusiasm and vitality of the female dragon. The female dragon doesn't care about the chattering of the rooster. While she pays attention to the respect that comes from the bottom of the rooster's heart, 
You can understand and help each other well and are a good example of an affectionate couple. Your marriage will get much applause from others and you will have endless bliss, said some editor as a tack-on sentence at the end. <laughs> so, yeah, that's essentially what you get. But that's not going to slow you down if you came here to find out if, in fact, you've been the one who has a lesson to learn here that you've shut your heart down too quick. In fact, this is going to be chink in the armor number one in leading you to a place that reality wasn't offering to take you. So, there you go. Now, that's confirmation bias of the, well, then what I was already thinking must be coming true is coming true. Kind. If you are smart, you'll think, wait, I've only looked at one paradigm. Let's check out what, say, the old uh, traditional astrology. I don't even know. Western astrology? What is what is the Cancer astrology? Not rooster and dragon, but Cancer and Aquarius. Whatever that model is. Well, if you're smart enough to at least go look, then Cancer and Aquarius, the social side of the Aquarian may prove too hectic for the homebound career. Oh, sorry, homebound Cancer. Aquarius loves to share her life stories with the world while Cancer is satisfied with the concentrating on the home front and personal obligations. Okay, two sentences in, I can already say that that's wrong for me. I might be the Aquarius here, and she might be the Cancer, but they've got us pegged wrong. Now, I don't know this person outside of work, so I could be completely wrong about who they are, but I've known them pretty well at work. So if they are outgoing and, uh, and uh, done with being homebound, then they are, t they are just in a phase because that would not describe me, but would definitely describe them. So already I'm, I'm thinking this doesn't have the same ring of truth because it's not meeting the framework that I brought with me. Now, my framework might be broken, and it turns out was. This doesn't describe us accurately still, but it describes us correctly. Because this is right, and the other one's wrong. The other one I like, so I give it extra value. This one's right in the long run, but I already don't like it because I think it's disagreeing with my worldview, even the one that I'm trying to create in real time that doesn't exist. Cancer has a conservative taste, while the Aquarian taste is usually more cosmopolitan. The eccentricities of Uranus Reed, Reed Aquarius do not go well with the moods of this male Luna subject, Reed Cancer. Odds against this combination are therefore great, unless by some chance one becomes subservient to the other. Now they're talking some language I like. Now they're giving me a reason to think, okay, so that will never happen. I would never allow that to happen. I would never be in a relationship where that power dynamic exists, says Mr. Overconfident has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. But having read that, I can now say, well, this is dismissible. You're telling me something that would exist to make the relationship subservient and that that's how this would have a chance? That's just awful. But read on, I do. Aquarius has a need to be independent and often appears detached in a close relationship. First thing they've said that I think is 1,000% on the button. She will appear more so to her cancer mate Second thing they've said that's dead on. But in reality, Aquarians need to be loved too. Third thing they've said that's dead on. It's just that they exhibit more of a universal rather than a personal kind of love. Fourth thing they've said that's dead on. And when push comes to shove, they'll take the world anytime. Fifth thing. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And I probably skipped that part. Of course, no one knows for sure, not even Aquarius, where or even that world of fulfillment exists. Wow. Some pretty deep shit for having missed the mark so much in the first part. But they didn't miss the mark about their overall assessment. They're right. And they're right for the wrong reasons. But that's still the sort of advice that you have to put in your bank of possibility. No matter how much you're rubbing the wrong way against its initial tenets, it's coming up with a different conclusion, one that's very measurable, one that's very determinable, and therefore, one that you have to have as alternative possibilities to the theory that you most favor because they're only theories. In fact, if you were to take it one further step and try another traditional horoscope reference point, you'd have this one to add to your measure box. 
The relationship between Cancer and Aquarius can be stressful for both. Although Cancer is considered the most sensitive sign of the Zodiac, I agree, governed by the moon, I suppose they know what they're talking about, they can be quite rough and distance, distant when they feel the need to set stronger boundaries. <laughs> Duh, passive-aggressive is our fucking thing, dude. Aquarius, on the other hand, is known as an innovator, someone ready to make the change, but in fact they are a fixed sign, pretty set in their ways, which is a paradox. They're not unchangeable, but they don't need to change. Hmm, interesting. Though they pursue change. That's curious. Well, okay. So they're in a bit of an enigma. That's hot. I mean, that's okay. Uh, when they engage in sexual activity, cancer could be <clears throat> so stressed that they will have to set boundaries and Aquarius will not be able to make the needed change to be gentler to their cancer partner. Whoo! Well, I hate to admit that that little forecast certainly sounds like a mark possibly hitting it. <clears throat> there is too much energy in Aquarius that needs to be grounded through their physical activity, and this includes rough sex. Look at that, Aquarius. Cancer doesn't really understand this. It is convinced that sexual relations should be about the emotions and love being shared. What the f- I mean, we didn't even- we, we were just working together. Why are you telling this part? If Aquarius finds a way to slow down and not force anything on their partner, and if Cancer allows their rational mind to take over for some of the time they spend together that is emotionally overwhelming, oh, they might share an exciting sexual experience. Cancer brings the emotion and tenderness, and Aquarius will never let it get boring and takes over when necessary. If they compromise on experimenting in emotional exchanges, it can even start to be fun. Wow, that's like a little uh, Harlequin romance novel waiting to be written. All right, on to something. Oh, but they still get... Oh, holy shit, I didn't release... Okay, there's a meter at the bottom of how compatible you are in this category. Is this a category? Oh, this is overall. <gasps> We're 1% compatible. <laughs> All right, that lays it out pretty pretty starkly. Um, now, breaking it down, in trust. Cancer is usually loyal, honest, and uh, scared of aggressive reactions. That's all very true. Aquarius will feel stressed to share things and could present this as a lack of trust. Okay, I'm not going to read the rest of this. This is fucking fulfilling and illuminating simultaneously. But they give us trust for a 35. They give us, what's the next one? Uh, communication and intellect. You put those together? All right, communication and intellect. They give us a 55. Emotions, they give us a 50. Cancer, and this is out of 100. Cancer and Aquarius values, they give us a 10. Shit, man, that's kind of right on. <laughs> uh, shared activities, they give us a 25. That might be, uh, oh my, who are you? Eva Vucinic. I might have to learn who this person is. Okay, here's the overall summary. We'll just finish here. We could say that Cancer and Aquarius are not your usual happy couple in any case. Their relationship can be too stressful for a Cancer partner and lack of intimacy will probably tear him away. However, the link between them can actually be wonderful when found and developed. And they could open up such interesting new perspectives for one another that when this happens, they become the best couple anybody's ever met. They both want to learn new things and could travel far if a strong base is made at home. Cancer needs peace. Aquarius needs adventure. Aquarius also understands how unusual their partner is and tries to experiment on being homey while maintaining fun. Cancer will take over the main set of responsibilities to hold an idea for their home base from which they can move wherever she wants. In the end, Cancer might discover an unbelievable joy of freedom that Aquarius unlocks, might develop and Aquarius might develop closeness that Cancer provides. If these partners can be silent together, sipping on their morning coffee and enjoying each other's company, then they're on their first step to success. There you go. Oh, so that's a 31. So that's our overall summary grade is 31%, which is still fucking horrible. What's the 1% for? There's no... Did I... Oh, no. I didn't miss a category. Oh, yes, I did. No, trust. All right, seriously. The very first category was sexual and intimacy compatibility, of which we were a 1%. Well, no wonder we never went on a date. Pause. All right, unpause. I had no time to take bong hits because I was too busy reading, so had to get one done. The point of here is I don't know that I know that I read some of that Chinese astrology stuff, but again, I, if I, it might not have been those two articles, but those articles are the same. But 
the um, none of this would I take seriously. But all of this I have to know is seriously affecting me. Because I come here looking for a narrative that I want to be true, that I'm too afraid to admit to myself that I want it to be true, so now I look for signals to tell me it's true. Because if this is true, that means that I have to be ready to be something that I've never been before, which is the terrific person I think I can be in a relationship, because that's the only reason to get involved here, is if this could be the sort of happily ever after that missing out on would be the greatest mistake of my life? And is that a test I'm going through? These are the questions I start having for myself at a point when I was otherwise either in complete denial, which is fair, I'll grant that, or still strong enough to know that this is always a bad decision. These initial considerations didn't make that waver consciously. But if you're dumb enough to think they didn't make me waver subconsciously and start drilling my conscious to new revelations about how things work exactly the way that I've come into this situation thinking they might, well then, maybe you should start with the last chapter of confirmation bias. Because this is a position where I am clearly going into it looking for confirmation bias. And then when receiving it, what does that do for me? Nothing. It just makes me more delusional than before. Unpause. And believe me, by the time we finish this story, which may take a little while because I can't seem to get the person I want to get involved in this project to help me get this part done. And no, that's not the guardian angel. That's not even somebody you know. But if she's not going to help me weed my way through this so that I can be held accountable in the ways that I may not see my own bias, well, we have to have a disinterested third-party woman's involvement, or the study doesn't have anything of validity to stand upon. And you know you can't trust me to just figure this out. Well, not in this situation. Um, pops. All right, so what did we learn? Learn one, recognize when you're going into a situation where you are just trying to have your biases confirmed, and don't do it. Have the conversation with yourself instead that if this is what you want in life, it's time to admit it and start working toward it. And that means having conversations with the people involved, not having conversations with yourself about getting from 90% convinced this is where your life should go to 98% convinced. Your life should go where you think it should go. If you start to think that your life is headed to direction, that is wrong, and therefore looking for a new direction to head, that's fine to gather information. But once you think you know what you are supposed to be doing, go do it. Do not hesitate. Activate. Seriously. All of this is just time wasted. You're either right or you're wrong. But once you have conviction about which direction to head, well then, get out of the house. It's time to fly, birdie. Fly, fly, fly.